0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Here on Sunday mornings at, at Sure Foundation, we're just we're going through the book of Ecclesiastes a little bit at a time. But in a different way than maybe what you've been expecting. We're not going through it sequentially, but instead we're going through it thematically. Maybe you've noticed that. And the theme for this morning's worship service is that that money really can do some some terrible spiritual damage. So, So Jesus said how hard it is in the gospel lesson, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And we're going to hear now Solomon's teaching on money, a very expanded teaching on that. It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and that's on page 9 in your bulletins if you'd like to follow along. If you're at home, pull out your Bibles because we're going to take that off your screen in, in just a minute. We're going to read verses 10 to 15. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether they eat little or much. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun. Wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners, or wealth lost through some misfortune, so that when they have children, there is nothing left for them to inherit. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. This too is a grievous evil. As everyone comes, so they depart. And what do they gain? since they toil for the wind. All their days they eat in darkness with great frustration, affliction, and anger. This is God's Word. Lies, and these days we're giving them different names. We call them misinformation or disinformation, but lies, we're going to call them what they are. (laughs) Lies have the power to enslave. this This is how Jesus pictured them. Once when he had a conversation with the Jewish people, he ended the conversation by saying this, the truth, he said, the truth will set you free. Lies do the opposite. They enslave you. They keep you in bondage. It's like walking around with a ball and chain around your ankle. Lies have the power to enslave. Jesus says so. There's actually an author by the name of Dr. Chris Thurman who started a book empire based on this, this one big idea. He wrote a book, a classic now, about some 30 years ago called The Lies We Believe. And if you haven't read that book, it's really a worthwhile book to read. The book Empire Expanded, so the lies we believe about God, and the lies women believe, and the lies men believe. the, the, The whole idea being, this is what he says, that the most damaging lies we believe about ourselves, relationships, life, men, women, and most importantly, God. That his big idea is this, that lies have destructive power. They have a hold over us, but the truth sets us free. Now this morning, this morning we're going to narrow our focus and we're going to look at financial lives. We're going to look at money lies, And these financial lives, these money lives, they have enslaving power too. They did in Solomon's day at least. There must have been a narrative in, in his day that said, if I just had more money. And you could finish the sentence. If I just had more money, I'd be happier. If I just had more money, your life would be better. If I just had more money. And this is how the story goes. This is the story that capitalism pushes into our hearts. And look, if, if, this, this, is where, this is where I want to entreat you. This is where I want to beg you. This is where I, like, I metaphorically get down on a preacher's knees and say, you need to listen to this word. Because things haven't changed. There's still this, this narrative, this lie out there that if we just had more money. So this is what Solomon's going to do. And hopefully I can paint this picture for you just a little bit at a time. And please follow along in your bulletins. But, but Samuel's going to expose. He's going to leave him dead on Hillside. He's going to expose three money lies. And then I'm going to share with you gospel truth that I pray that I I pray will set you free. Here's this first money lie. That money can make you happy. That money can satisfy you. Solomon doesn't think so. From the very beginning, he says that's that is one of the biggest money lies that there is. And this is how he puts it. It's verse 10. Whoever loves money. Never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. So, so money, Solomon says, is kind of like this. Someone someone who, who loves money, who, who thinks that they can become spiritually happy if they just had a little bit more, is like the marathon runner who has just gone out and run on a 90-degree day through a desert and then they think if I just had a gallon of ocean water, that will satisfy my thirst. It's like that. Or, or to paint something even more extreme and more ridiculous and really hurtful, I think, would be it would be to go up to a grieving spouse, someone who's just lost their husband or their wife, and say, I know what will make you feel better. I, I know what will satisfy you in this moment. Here's a check for $500. How ridiculous would that be, right? That exposes the lie right there on its face that that, that money money will never be enough. It will actually never satisfy your spiritual concerns and wants. This is probably a famous quote, and maybe you've heard it before, but somebody actually asked John D. Rockefeller. I think he's the guy who wrote, who built Rockefeller Center, you know this guy? He, one of the richest guys, I think at, at the time, he, he, he owned like more than 10% of the wealth of the United States of America in his day. Somebody actually asked him, they said, they asked him, how much money is enough? And you know what he said? Just a little bit more. That's what he said. Just a little bit more. It's it's never enough. The truth of the matter is Solomon's right, that that if you think you can be spiritually satisfied with money, Solomon says that's a lie. You're believing a lie, and that's enslaving you. See, because money can make you do some ridiculous things. Solomon says don't believe the lie. Money is really, really bad. Spiritual nourishment. Really bad. That's lie number one. Line number two is this. This is where he goes. We're going to pick it up at verse 11 there. It's this, that we think, a lot of people think, and maybe you do too, that rich people have a better life than poor people. We think that. Like if we just had more money, just like the rich people, then we'd be able to live like the rich and the elite of the world. And Solomon doesn't think so. In fact, what he says is this. He, he kind of goes P. Diddy here. Puff Daddy. More money, more problems. So he says, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. So this is the crew that forms around the rich person. This is, this is the posse. This is, these are the people that want to be around the money so that the, the money can sort of drip down to them. These are the people who really don't love the rich person. They love their money. You see, it's expensive. It's costly. It's hard, Solomon is saying, to be a rich person. And he goes further than that. He says the rich person is really no better off than the poor person. And, And this is what he says in our verses. Because the rich, what benefit are they to their owners except to feast their eyes on them? So think about it this way: that Jeff Bezos has properties all over the world in the United States. And I think he's got like three of them in New York City. But the sad thing is, he cannot enjoy them all all at once. All he can do usually is look at them. Well, the poor person can do that too. (laughs) Can't they? Like there's this beautiful penthouse, and all Jeff Bezos can do on the, his best day is sit in one of them and look at all the rest. You can do that too. Are the rich really better off than the poor? Solomon's not sure. In fact, In fact, he wants to ask this question out loud. He wants to ask it out loud. Are you really sure that the poor have a worse life than the rich? And, and this, is, this is how he's going to put it. So he looks at, this, he w- looks at this, this poor laborer, could be a man or a woman, and she works all day really hard. She gets home and she has genuine relationships at home because, look, there's no hangers-on. They're there because they really love her, this hard worker. Then she, she eats a meal and really enjoys the food because when you work hard and you're hungry, you really enjoy the food. Isn't that true? Then you, you get to bedtime and you're tired. And this is where Solomon gets really beautiful. He's, he, it, it's like he sees this hard worker and, and you know what she's doing at the end of a long day? She is off in la la land. She is, she is snoring. She, she is just off. And, and you know what Solomon says? The, sweet, the, the sleep is sweet. They sleep the whole night through and it's good. Because they work hard all day. And there's this poor rich person, this poor rich person. They just sit around and they watch Netflix all day. Then they get get to the end of their day and they're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to a five-star restaurant. I'm going to drink wine and I'm going to have steak. But they're not hungry, see. They're not hungry because they didn't work at all. And then they get to 2 a.m. and you know what's happening in their bellies? It's just slashing around. This kind of gross, and they don't have sleep. The, the sleep is far from sweet, and at two AM, they're in their gold gilded bathroom. So Solomon's like, "Who's got the better life?" That's what he's. That's what he's trying to ask you. Like, who's got the better life? Is, is it the poor person who worked all day and now is like sawing logs sweetly, or is it the rich person in their gold trimmed? bathroom with an upset stomach Solomon thinks it's a poor person or at least he wants to, to destroy the narrative that the rich are better off than the poor that's that's the second lie the rich are not necessarily better off than the poor it's one more lie and the third lie is this that he wants to destroy for us expose it as a lie and it's this that money, guarantees your future. And, and now we're picking it up at verse, verses 13 and 14, that money, we believe a the slide, that if I just have enough money, it'll guarantee my future. And this is where Solomon sets out, this is like a sample. This is a really pathetic scene here, actually, where you have this guy, and he, he works his whole life, and all he does is hoard money. So he calls it hoarding instead of saving, but whatever. He, he's hoarding money, He's got a he's like a squirrel and he's he's putting his nuts in the ground. And then something, a tragedy happens. Maybe his wife gets sick and all the medical bills come, or maybe, maybe his business goes belly up, or maybe he just gets Bernie made up. Who knows? But this guy who saved his entire life all of a sudden doesn't have his money anymore. It's gone. And then we have this scene. We have the scene where this his son comes up to him. And it's like, it's like these African children where, where the, you can see their bones and it's just kind of, it's just this pathetic theme, scene. And he's saying, Father, can you put anything into my hand? Because I'm hungry right now. And he can't. He can't. All of his saving. And for What? So that he couldn't even he couldn't even give his poor son something to eat. Solomon's like that. That's meaningless. That 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 is a grievous evil under the sun, he says, but he's trying to blow up this lie that if I just save enough money, well, that's that's gonna guarantee my future. You know what that's like? Like when you depend spiritually on your savings, it's kind of like leaning on a on a razor sharp. Soar, it's like that, and all of it's gonna, all it's gonna do is pierce your palm because it can't hold the weight that you're putting on it. Money can't do that, so those are our money lies. Those are them. We like Solomon's exposed them for what they are like money can never satisfy, so it'll never be enough. Money, rich people aren't necessarily better off than poor people, not especially not at 2 a.m. and look. Money can never guarantee your future, but I've still not really given you any hope, have I? (laughs) Not really. And neither is Solomon. There's one resurrection, one hopeful note in these verses. And you have to get at it through implication. Solomon says this. This is breathtaking. He says, they take nothing from their toil, that they can carry in their hands. That's verse 15. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. So uh, Alexander the Great, you, you must have known about this verse because when he died, he literally owned almost the whole world. But he told the embalmers to leave his hands like this out, to not wrap them up, so that the whole world could see That when he died, he died with nothing in his hands. You can't take anything that you can put in your hands with you. Job said it too. Naked we come, naked we leave. But think about this. Truly, truly, Jesus would say, you cannot take anything in your hands. But can you take something in your heart? This is where things get really hopeful. Solomon is actually implying that there is something else. And he's wanting to push this into our lives. So I want to I want to do something and go revisit these financial lives that we already looked at. We saw that money can never satisfy us, but who or what can? Only God. St. Augustine said that that our hearts never come to rest until they rest in God. You see, see, we say this in the Creed, that God created each of us uniquely and wonderfully, and now He richly and daily provides for everything that we need. More than that, He richly and daily provides for our eternal salvation in Jesus Christ. I mean, Jesus gave His whole life for us to give us full and free forgiveness in Jesus' name. And when you think about that, everything that he gives to us, the way that he preserves our lives, the way that he gives to us eternal life, when we keep our eyes fixed as Jesus as, on Jesus, as the author of the Hebrew says, isn't this true that finally, finally, and only then, do we have the spiritual nourishment, the contentment that we need? Only that. So only God can fill that infinite hole in our hearts and truly satisfy us. And what about that second lie? What about that second lie where it says that the rich are better off than the poor? Jesus doesn't think so either, does he? He says, Jesus said that It is truly difficult for the rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He said that. But then he said this. Something so beautiful. But nothing is impossible with God. So in other words, God, the Holy Spirit can change a person's heart to to help us to realize that the rich are not better off than the poor. Those are the wrong distinctions. The believer is better off than the unbeliever because... We receive from God's hand what God so freely and generously offers. And what about that third lie, that money? Money guarantees our future. Who or what does that? Well, here we are again in the same place. Only God can. And He does. He says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Even if it means that He has to go to the cross for you. Is that true? And Jesus said it, and again, Matthew chapter twenty-eight. Surely, I will be with you always, to the very end of the age. Only God can guarantee our future, and He does. I mean, think about that. Like not only for this very limited earthly life, but He guarantees your future, and only God can do this through Jesus Christ, eternally, eternally. How much better of a God is our Savior Jesus than money? It's beautiful. Now, I'm going to leave you with this thought. In, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to begin again. We're going to restart again something that we started so long ago. This is almost two years ago called our 10 for 10 campaign. Do you remember this? We started this and then all of a sudden it was over because the pandemic happened. We're going to, we're gonna restart it. We're gonna restart it. I still have your envelopes. And for 10 weeks in a row, we're gonna be reminding each other of this: that what we have in Christ, the spiritual riches that we have, are so much better than money. It's only start. This is the only start. Amen.